0: Praise be to God, as we are in our week three of our series, Travel Light. Um, Brandon and I get the privilege of serving as the, the lead pastor. And as we're in our third week, we've been looking at the power of the gospel. So if you've been with us in the fall, we were in Romans, which really prepared our hearts in a, in a way that only God has planned to get into this practical Series of how we, we know that we're saved because we're wrestling with the stuff that, that weighs us down and we let go, and we can grab hold of the salvation and the peace that knowing Jesus brings. and then destroying distractions last week. and then this week is a very light-hearted, very easy, palatable, uh, encouraging message on removing bitterness. So thankfully, none of us have bitterness. we've never had an experience, so this will be short. just kidding. We all have had bitterness. We have all have experienced the seeds that have been sown when we're offended or when we're hurt. And the bitterness grows. And if you have been around even grass or farming, scripture uses a lot of that language of farming and, and, and roots. And the root of bitterness, it talks about the grace of God might be kept if there's a root of bitterness springing up. So it's a huge problem. Because if we don't have bitterness removed, then we're going to miss out on God's grace, which that's an amazing opportunity for you to have something you don't deserve, which is grace. Getting something you don't deserve and God gives that to you. But if you have bitterness, all of a sudden there's a block there that you put up hindering God's grace from getting to you. So that we see Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, make every effort to live at peace with everyone in verse 14. Strive for peace in the NIV. Every effort, striving in the ESV, that's a lot of work to get peace. And it is. It's work if you've ever been in any kind of relationship. Peace just doesn't happen. There's not just this all of a sudden peace and we just get to live and everything. No, it takes work, it takes patience, it takes grace, giving them what they don't deserve. And so when, when Paul's writing, and some people think it wasn't Paul, but as we see today, Hebrews, Ephesians, Romans 12, Romans and Ephesians are clearly Paul and Hebrews all like very clearly uses the same language. So either Paul's being influenced by it or Paul wrote Hebrews I tend to think if you want my opinion, it's worth nothing. So I don't offend you, if you. I'm not offended if you don't take it. But I think Paul probably wrote Hebrews. We see he uses this language: strive for peace with everyone, and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God; that no root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble, and by it becomes defiled. So. It doesn't take long for us to see in Scripture God's plan and His intent for this loving unity. That Ephesians, Paul spends so much time talking to the church in Ephesus in chapter 1. Here's the gospel. You're in sin. You're, you're in darkness. And God the Father planned for you to be saved. And Jesus, the Son, accomplishes it. And... The Holy Spirit seals it and then Ephesians 2 he he hits it again. Hey, you can't work out yourself, you can't work or earn it. It's a free gift. And then we have the gospel coming to be received and working in us. And then chapters three through five is chapters three through six is all about us working it out. It's the gospel's effect, the gospel changing us. The gospel changing us to look like Jesus. So what was the enemy's plan? Is to disrupt the unity. And so he wants to kill that loving unity. God wants to grow us in intimacy with the father and with each other. And the enemy wants to destroy that intimacy. God wants you to have this trust with him and with each other. And the enemy wants to replace that trust with bitterness. And every time you look at your spouse or every time you look at your boss or your teacher or your sister or brother to go, oh, I'm just that time they sinned against me. And that that seed was sown. And then it, it, that root of bitterness grew. And now there's bitterness. And the craziest thing is it's small things, right? Like you post something on Instagram and none of your family like it. Your grandma doesn't even like it. All of a sudden there's seeds there. You're like, come on, grandma. I can always count on you. You send the email like, just posted this picture of our favorite cat. Or my, you know, your granddaughter, no like. Oh, there's maybe a seed of bitterness and you unfollow people. Maybe for you, it's it's not social media, but it... it, Especially the millennials, if you're not a millennial, you're an older generation, you're like, I could care less about texting, just give me a phone call. But for the younger generation, texting's a big deal. I'm in the middle, so I'm like, hey, if it's a thing, let's just talk on the phone or meet in person. I've been told I should probably up my texting game because it's like letters and maybe a thank you or it looks good, awesome. Those are kind of my usual text go-tos. But when you, when you need an important text, and every time I get blown up, I'm like, ah, that's like five, th- we need to just meet in person, that's like a coffee conversation. But you get a text like that, and the other person, so I've been told, when they see me open it, they get these bubbles kind of dancing. And that gives them this dopamine hit, and they're like, he cares about me, he loves me, he's going to respond to me right away. And then I get distracted with something, we talked about that last week, so go on and listen, and then all of a sudden... It goes away, and their heart's broken. They're like, oh, he hates me. Why is he not responding? And, and, and then maybe there's that root of bitterness, in, and you're like, come on, I need that response. Or as we talked about last week, right? There's that family member that's going to come to your house for Christmas who never brings, never helps clean up except for the Tupperware or the tin foil they bring to bring home your leftovers. And you're like, "Ah, oh, there's the seeds again. I knew. I prayed about it. I knew they were coming, and now there's bitterness. The root is growing they just take advantage. There's the spouse that maybe lied to you or the friend that lied to you. Maybe your kids deceived you. Maybe they talk bad about you. Maybe your kids talk bad about you and, and you hear about it on social media. Maybe there's a relative that you're, you've you already prepared your heart for. They're visiting. It's going to be challenging. They're always overly critical of your parenting or how you spend money or how you spend time, how you spend time at church. They're so like, why is that such a big deal to you? And you're like, how do I respond in loving, graceful ways about my really need to share the gospel here? But it's hard. And, and how are you preparing your heart this season? Because the unique thing is, as you probably noticed, when those seeds are sown, if we don't have a, a, a very assertive mind and aren't aware of those seeds and are prepared to, sweep them away or get the leaf blower and blow them away, they're going to take root. And you can't control other people. You can't control what other people do, but you can control how you respond. And so when when Paul's talking about this, he's saying, look, you've already said you're a new creation in Christ. You've already accepted that Jesus died on the cross, rose again for you, and now here's how you live this out. Here's how God's working in and through you for His glory and your good. And you have to take every effort, spare no expense to get this bitterness out of you. And as you've probably been aware, the holidays, getting around family, friends, they magnify your emotional, relational state. So if there's already a little bit of bitterness or a little bit of anxiety or or maybe some distance, it just magnifies, amplifies it. And it's like, oh, I gotta be around the son-in-law, daughter-in-law, I gotta be around the the mother-in-law, I gotta be around the the the, the Sister or brother that I'm just not in a good relation. Now, there's this bitterness there. I don't know why, but there's angst. And it just highlights whether it's good, it's good. Or if it's bad, it's really bad. And, and so as we prepare for this, there's no accident for this season in this message today that you're here. God planned it all to prepare your heart for the gospel opportunity. To go, okay, I need to, I need to diagnose. I need to look at my heart and see, is there any kind of seeds of an offense that I've been watering, that I've just been fostering, and they've been festering, and now there's roots, and now there's bitterness. And we have to remember, we can't control other people, but we can control how we respond. And even when we pray, even when we prepare, especially guys, we're like, I'm not going to say this, I'm not going to say this, and then we say it, and then there's a fight, and it's like, I said I wasn't going to say it three times, how did I say, ah, I knew that was, oh. And it's crazy, because as I've sat with this, unless there's every effort, unless you're Truly spending time in prayer with the Lord, getting understanding and wisdom and seeing how there's a root of bitterness, you miss it. And then all of a sudden the bitterness affects you negatively. So there's a problem. We see here two problems with bitterness. First, bitterness has a root. And if we're not aware that the seeds of bitterness have been planted or sown because of an offense, then we can't see to it that a bitter root doesn't grow up. And cause trouble, Hebrews 12, 15. What do we know about the root of bitterness? It grows underground. That's why it's called a root. As I as I grew up, I was you know not super focused on like gardening and, and weeds, and then I had a garden, and I was like, man, weeds are everywhere. How are these seeds constantly in the ground? And then you have a lawn, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna have the best lawn. We're gonna play soccer and practice golf and have fun on the lawn. And then there's this thing called crabgrass. And I found out about how devastating crabgrass is when my, my, my asphalt got resurfaced and I cleaned out the cracks. And then I called the guy and I'm like, hey, you, you missed a couple spots. Like, there's grass. Like, why didn't you? And they're like, oh, that's crabgrass. You can't kill it. I'm like, what do you mean you can't kill it? I'm pretty sure we can kill anything. See, I was 23. You got Roundup. like times. how do we kill this thing? He's like, you can't. And then my father in law had his laundry done. He's like, hey, let's get the crabgrass out. And the contractor said the same thing. You don't kill it. We can remove all the soil, bring in new soil and sod. You'll be good for maybe 10 years-ish, right? Give or take. And that crabgrass will come right back. It's like, are you kidding me? So my mind goes to crabgrass when you think about roots. They're there. Always growing. And even it'll just eat away at asphalt and poke through. And it's like, what? That's all you got? You got some Roundup? Too bad. I'm crabgrass. And it just destroys. You're like, what? So when you think about bitterness, even though you're like, hey, I took care of it. I said, I'm sorry, but there's still this harboring root of bitterness that'll eventually just poke through even the hardest of surfaces. You think you're good until you realize, no, I'm actually that bad. There's actually that root of bitterness in me that's underground. And that's what makes it so hard to diagnose, especially self-diagnose. None of you got up this morning and were like, man, I'm really struggling with bitterness. As you looked at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm such a bitter person. I really pray that God would move in Pastor Brandon's heart. preach on bitterness. Like I'm really, I'm really, it's destroying my marriage. My kids are having a hard time with me because I'm so bitter. I've never heard anyone call me and just be like, hey, I got caught in bitterness. Like I just was super harsh and my wife found out I'm a bitter person. Can we meet? Like there's been thousands of other fill in the blanks, but not bitterness. And as I think about it, you don't always see it, but others see it in you. It, it became clear we were coming back from camping with some friends, and usually I find out I sow seeds of, of that cause people bitterness when I'm driving. I, I, most of the time it's not my fault, but this time it wasn't 100. percent Not my fault. I'm in the truck towing a trailer. I found out there's certain people that actually think trucks are going to destroy the world when I have you know a truck. I'm like, wow, these whole ideologies shifted. Over the past couple of years. So now I have a trailer. Now I'm really like doubling down on killing the planet, I guess. So I'm pulling back from a camping trip and this lady in a small little car is trying to get on the freeway right where there's like two on-ramp, off-ramp craziness in Fresno. And so I'm like going as fast as trucks or the trailers are supposed to go. I'm obeying the law. Pastor, good pastor, right? And so she gets, she's trying to get on. I'm like, I'm trying to go faster, but I can only go as fast as I can haul. And so she gets behind me and is like going crazy, and as she pulls up, everyone in the car with me sees all these words coming out of her mouth that are definitely not, you know, longer than four letters, and, uh, and so then the window rolls down, and I'm like, uh-oh, is this like a gun, because it's Fresno, like what are we going to, how do I like break fast, like I don't, Lord give me wisdom, I just sowed some seeds apparently, there's bitterness right there, like I see it, she probably can't, but I do, we're freaked out. And this water bottle nails my truck. And I'm like, oh, glad I'm in a truck. Not that little car, because I might have gone off the road. But the kids were with I'm like, Dad, what did you do? I'm like, well, sometimes I am in the wrong. This time, we just need to pray for her. I don't know what kind of bitterness is going on and what she thinks we're doing or what. like, But there's some bitterness there. And it's funny, except when we're the person throwing the water bottle. It's funny when we're the person that has the bitterness. And all of a sudden, it comes out. And people are like, what's going on with really? Like we're just, we're on the freeway. Things happen. Timing. Like just, just chill for a second. You're going to get where you're going. I'm going to get where we're going. Everything will be fine. But bitterness comes up. And then you put a bunch of sinners in the room and God's like, hey, go take over the world with love and peace. And it's like, I think we should do this. Or I think, hey, try a marriage where two sinners get married and commit to put each other's needs before your own, which means someone always gets to be right. And as, as my kids get older, they're like, how come how come mom's right a lot? Like, how does that, why can I can't be right? It's like, well, that's how it works. And, uh, and most of the time, genuinely, she should be right. And, and, and we learn and we grow. But there's times where I'm right and then she learns and we, we do that teamwork. But as kids, it's like, I want to be right. Yeah. And then you find out how practical First Corinthians 13 was when a church was so dysfunctional. So often we hijack and we talk about a marriage, which it does work there, but it's really about hundreds or thousands of sinners. And Paul's like, hey, there's a lot more sinning and sowing seeds, and then bitterness comes out. And 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrong. Certainly applies in a marriage, but you can imagine working relationships, volunteering, serving, and then families, and there's a lot of tension and conflict. No record of wrong. As I was talking with someone, he's like, hey, how are you not a bitter person? Like, you've gone through some hurtful seasons, and I'm like, well, my personality and giftedness, I'm so focused on the good and the future and heaven and how we can get as many people to heaven. I don't have time to be distracted by the hurts. I'm I'm quick to forgive and quick to forget and move on, And, and that's part of my personality, though. So I know people that want the control and take it personal. It's hard for you because you want that. And it's easy to keep a record of wrong, but with bitterness that weighs you down. And I got to move fast. I got to, there's, the time is limited. The calling's so great. And there's so many people in Paso, Templeton, Natas, in the North County, Parkfield, down to Slow. There's so many people that don't know Jesus. We have to help them know Jesus and we can't be distracted with, with bitterness. And so Paul's this urgency of like, man, You're the bride. You're the light to your family this season. When they come into your home, is there going to be a room for for bitterness in your talk? And that's what Satan wants. He wants that division. Bitterness keeps the detailed record. He hurt me. She misled me. He lied to me. Well, she let me down. And you know the problem? The longer you allow that root to live, the more it spreads, just like crabgrass, just permeates everything. Bitterness is a dangerous root. And secondly, bitterness produces a poisonous fruit. Not only is it a, a dangerous root, but the fruit it produces is poisonous. And it says, Hebrews twelve fifteen: 15, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It has the effect to defile many, which means you take a husband and a wife and, there, and there's bitterness there it's It's not just them, it's their kids, their grandkids, their great grandkids their great great grandkids, and all the way down and then you add your working relationships, your church community, your community all of that gets the weight there's a lot there, especially when you think about it you've seen it before it divides a family you see a leader, a pastor an elder there's bitterness there it divides a church, it divides a workplace there's bitterness bet- between coworkers or owners and employees and And it just divides. There's never a time when it's like, yeah, I know, like, Brett, he's just kind of bitter, but that's no big deal. No one ever engages and is like, hey, it's fine that they're bitter. It's always like, man, we got to steer clear of that guy or that girl. They're bitter. They're toxic. Some of you are probably thinking, you know, I'm so glad this person's listening. Before we point the thumb or finger, we have to remember that bitterness is hard to identify because especially in our culture, we're, we're justified. You know, this this millennial and Gen Z and and even using some terms now that really support this ideology where critical race theory or or woke, it's it's focusing on who's been wronged and then justifying like, yeah, you've been wronged, it's their fault. But then it goes so far as there's never any forgiveness or grace. There's never any way for someone who's wronged you to, to be forgiven. It's always there in a place where, yeah, there's justifiably, a lot of times there is people who've wronged you, But then culturally now, it's, well, my dad never showed up to a soccer game, or or even greater things have happened, but are we able to forgive? Are we able to understand that, man, yeah, they're in the wrong, but what do we do? Because we can't control how people treat us, or what they do, but we control how we respond. And so as we look at this, I want you to take a minute and, and ask yourself, honestly, do you have a root of bitterness? Is there a root of bitterness growing in your heart? Are you holding a grudge? Are you carrying a hurt? And maybe it's been years, and you just keep pulling that hurt out, watering it, and you're like, yeah, that pathetic loser. I can't believe they hurt me and they treat me this way. And I can't believe she doesn't respect me. I can't believe he doesn't love me. I can't believe this. I can't believe my kids are this way. And, and so to illustrate this, instead of just thinking about your, your lawn or your garden or some roots, you know, and, you know, man, I need to till up the soil and kill those roots, I wanted to bring this illustration up because it, it really shows us not only how we're affected when we allow these roots of bitterness to grow, but then how the culture just gives us a place to put our bitterness. So, we, you know, our, our kids disrespect us, and our, our wife maybe lies, or, and our husband maybe is, you know, looking at porn, and you're like, oh, that's a hurt. I can't believe that. And my boss is just on my case and not respecting me. And, you know, my coworkers are just down my neck all the time. And, and you have all this bitterness, and you're just like, man, I can't believe that happened, and the lady threw the water bottle at me, that's still like, man, she's bitter, how do I, now I'm kind of growing bitter, like, that's embarrassing, like, you know, and, and so you have all this stuff, and you're just trying to hold it, and it hits you, and you're just carrying it, and you're, and all of a sudden, you're just like, man, I don't, I'm trying, and God gives you something, and you're like, I don't, I try, and all of a sudden, you're just, this is my bitterness, and I gotta hold it together, and it's just really awkward. And embarrassing when it gets out and exposed, and we can laugh at a water bottle being thrown, but that's what we look like when we're bitter. And I don't, I just know I'm not able to keep a record and try and hold it all. And then for people that do have a record, maybe, and they want to hold it all and hold it against people, and then our society and culture set comes along as you meet a counselor and they say, Hey, here, I'll help you. You're right. All these people wronged you and they hurt you and your spouse or this. And, you should leave him or leave her, you get a different job and different, and they come along and they say, Here's where you're gonna put all this hurt. So that way you can you can manage it, right? Self-care and self self- and it's counselors and they can help you when they focus on actually removing, not just identifying. And so it's not against counselors, but our thought is: yeah, your dad didn't show up to your soccer game, or he came later he missed one, but what do you do with that instead of just managing it and holding it? And yeah, culturally, I'm looked down upon or I'm an outcast. Or that, instead of holding on to that bitterness and letting that root of bitterness grow and then holding it against and keeping that record of wrong and holding it against the person who's offended you or hurt you, the gospel is the only word, the only promise that actually says, hey, you do have a big bag of trash turn to the neighbor next to you and say, you have a big old bag of trash. And now tell him, I don't know about you, but I have a big bag of trash. And as I was asked, hey, you've been been hurt before. People have sowed seeds and there's opportunity there for roots of bitterness to grow. Why don't you have any bitterness? And I said, honestly, it's Ephesians. I just read that over and over. and and, And it tells you don't, we have to see, how to remove bitterness, it says we need to put it away. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. So how do we remove bitterness? We remove it with this compassion. And in the ESV, it says tender hearted, tender. Do you have empathy? When I read that, all I can think about is Jesus showing up on the shore in a boat with his disciples, and he sees this crowd, and he, and he has compassion on them. It says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Some of you are like, oh, how cute. Jesus thinks we're sheep. No, he's calling you stupid, dumb, and you're going to die because you're going to lie on your back and be like, "Ah, oh, I'm done. I'm done for it. Unless there's a shepherd to help you. You're that bad. Like You're that incapable of life. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life unto the fullest. I've come as your shepherd. There's a root of bitterness that's going to take over and destroy your life and your marriage and your family and for generations in the church, which is the greatest vehicle in God's plan for the gospel to get to the world. Don't let bitterness in. Don't let that root in. The only hope is if you, if you remove it and allow the gospel, which is the next part, right? He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. That's we remove bitterness with compassion, tender-heartedness, and then the second is forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Paul was getting directly to the heart of the Ephesus church. He taught similarly in Romans 12:21 when he said, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12:21. Paul is telling us: there's evil and there's seeds that are going to be sown against us. And we're going to do the same thing. We're not free from sin. We just don't want to do it. And when we do it, we confess it and get forgiveness. And we can't control other people, but we can control how we respond. This week, as I was just feeling this weight and knowing, man, this is a message that not one of us, including myself, is going to walk out going, oh man, I'm glad someone else heard that. I hope I'm going to pray for them. It's going to be one of those where, man, I have to take reflection. And where's that bitterness in my heart? And this isn't something culturally that's okay to talk about, because usually it's, yeah, they wronged me, and it's their problem. What a jerk, and I'm good, because they wronged me, and I'm the victim. No, this is Jesus coming and saying, no, let's, let's let gospel work in your heart. Let's, let's have compassion and be tenderhearted. And Phil Robertson, some of you might know him. He invented a little duck call, and it's no big deal. I'll shoot some stuff. But he, he was, before he was on TV... He was really having a hard time making money, and so he was working, and his only way to really make money was putting traps down, and if you had to earn a living trying to fish, like catfish in this area, it'd be really, really hard. Growing up trying to do that, it was like, man, I had to know the stock date and be there within minutes of that truck dumping the trout, otherwise you weren't catching hardly anything out of a Lake. But he had these traps set up, and all these catfish were going in, and then he, he found out these guys were stealing his fish that's how he made a living so he went out the next day and saw him and had his shotgun so he shot some warning shots at him you know not trying to kill him just won't scare him away and the next day you read in the scripture he's like oh bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat and it goes on give to those who are stealing from you and he's like i'm a new believer i don't really like this part of the bible i don't know if i want to obey it and he said okay lord i'm going to trust you Instead of allowing bitterness to take root and grow, he went out the next day, still had a shotgun, this time in the hole of the boat, not his hand. And he rolled up to him and said, hey, looks like you boys are having a hard time catching fish. You're doing a fish fry, I take it, and they're like, yeah, I can't catch any, and well, you're stealing my fish, and that's how I make a living. I'll tell you what, let's get the fish out, and I'll give you the fish. And so he puts the fish in his boat, starts handing him the fish, and he's like, let me, just tell me when you think you have enough. And after he puts a number of fish in the boat, they're obviously ashamed. They found, they got found out and they're like, we're good. And he's like, no, they're not good. Once you fry fish, your mom and your aunts and, and the cousins and second cousins, they're all going to come out. Here's take some more. And they're like super ashamed and embarrassed. Now this guy, we're trying to steal his fish and he's giving us way more than we would have even stole from him. And he points up on the hill. He says, Hey, that's my house right there. If you guys ever have a hard time catching fish, just come ask me for it and I'll give you the fish. He said, from that day forward, word went up and down the banks of the Louisiana River and all the rednecks were like, hey, we're not going to mess with that crazy old man. He's, he just gave us the fish we were trying to steal from him. And I was like, that's it. Like, I have some stories and, and hurts and things, but when we get a chance to hold tight to those seeds that have taken root and, and bitterness has grown, we realize, you know what? When we have empathy, we have compassion on people. We have tenderheartedness and see there's a need there they've hurt us, or they're intending to hurt us. But as Jesus came and showed us how to receive the hurt, and and, in return, pray. And in return, have that tenderheartedness. These people that were against Jesus, he came to save. And the only way that's possible is when we understand what forgiveness is. And we see that when we pray for others, it doesn't change them necessarily. We hope it does, and sometimes God works and answers that prayer, but we know the promise when we pray for those who are against us is that it changes our hearts. It changes our hearts to see how hurtful they are, how full of hurt they are. That's why they're, they're hurting you. Hurtful people hurt people. So when we pray for them, it helps us gain a compassionate and empathetic heart. And then secondly, when we remove bitterness with tenderhearted or compassionate, we remove bitterness with forgiveness and we need to pause and acknowledge this is where it can get tense because we hold this and we go, you don't understand. You don't have any idea what they did to me. I'm not going to just forgive them. How can I just forgive them? All those years of the hurt and the pain, you know how many file cabinets I've logged keeping a detailed record of the hurt and you're just telling me I have to forgive all those offenses? 1 Corinthians 13 is a joke. I have to uproot this root of bitterness? This is crazy. How do I forgive? That seems unforgivable. And Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. Be kind and tenderhearted to one another. Forgive each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Every week we take communion. Every week we land. Because God in Christ forgave us, the Holy Spirit is at work within us to remove bitterness So we see what forgiveness really means is the big old bag of trash we said we have. Jesus came to cover it with his blood, pick it up, and carry it away on the cross. And when he went on the cross with his left and his right hand nailed, it was as far as the east is from the west. The psalmist says, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We'll get this one out of the way too. So, far does he remove our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west? And it's a cool picture because when you see the cross, maybe for the first time and for every time you see it from this day forward, you're going to see the east and from to the west. He hung on the cross and it was showing, I'm removing your sins this far and I'm putting it in the sea of forgetfulness. I'm not counting it against you. And when we know we've been forgiven and loved that way, then we can love and forgive in the same way. So we don't need to let the root of bitterness grow up and hurt you and hurt others. We don't have to relive it and rehearse it and, and bring it home and, man, can you believe what my boss said to me again? Can you believe what my coworker did to me? Can you believe what our son or daughter, is like, hey, you know what, they, they hurt me, I'm gonna forgive them, I'm gonna give them grace. They're full of hurt and they need Jesus to forgive them. I'm gonna pray for them. And it changes our heart to be more compassionate And then quicker to forgive. And the beautiful thing is when we've been forgiven, then we're we're free to serve. As Jesus took the towel and said, I didn't come to, 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 to be served, I came to serve. And he washed the disciples' feet, and he was constantly pouring his life out, serving. And that's the picture of the church. And so when Paul's saying, hey, church, this is the opportunity, this is the season to serve the world and to to, to give your life as Jesus gave his life to serve others and show them the love of Jesus if we're holding tight with bitterness and keeping a record of wrong we can't pick up the towel and, and serve one another and Romans 12 18 says if possible I can't wait to get into Romans 12 the whole chapter is wonderful but I love Paul's word here because some of you are like Brandon you I mean that's great I'm glad you're a pastor and you're reading God's word to us but this is hard And Paul says, "I know. That's why I'm going to say if it's possible, because oftentimes forgiveness is what's commanded, and reconciliation just isn't possible. There's no way that reconciliation is going to happen. In God's word, God knows that He doesn't expect reconciliation. He doesn't expect you to be, you know, best friends and go on coffee dates for the rest of your lives every day. But He he does expect you to forgive and love them and pray that God would work in their hearts and, and serve them. And that's what's beautiful is we all need forgiveness." And we all need to give forgiveness to someone today. And so Paul says, look, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, as much as you know you need forgiveness, ask for it, and as much as you can forgive, forgive. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live at peace with everyone, as far as it depends on you. We can't control what people do, but we can control how we respond. We can control if we're quick to forgive and and quick to pick up a towel and, and serve one another, Or are we holding tight, two-fisted to the the records of wrongs where someone's offended or hurt us? Because the root of bitterness is dangerous and it produces a poisonous fruit to divide. And it hurts you. And it hurts the others when they're in need and when they're hurting to help them. And pray for healing and and be quick to forgive knowing that's how God in Christ forgave us when we were against Him, when we were hurting Him. We can be kind and tender-hearted forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. As far as it's possible with you, live at peace. And when Jesus came, the most amazing thing, the feasts were all about Jesus, pointing us to Jesus, reminding us, saying, hey, Jews, Jesus is coming. And they always had a cup out. And so as we close in prayer, I want to I pray. As Jesus came and answered and said, look, this is the cup of God's wrath that's going to be poured out on me. You can be forgiven. ...bad, but I'm way more loved than I ever dared imagine. Thank you, Jesus, for having compassion and forgiving me. Now I can have compassion and forgive those in need who've hurt me. So as I close in prayer, I want to give you an opportunity just to stick your hand up. If you've realized, man, I have bitterness in my heart. I have bitter, and I don't even know maybe the next step. And this has helped me address the bitterness, and I'm praying that God would show me how to remove it and and how I can release it because I don't even know if I can remove it because I've just held on to it. My knuckles are white, and I've just been trying to do it on my own strength, that you'd release it to Jesus and let him remove it. So let's pray. Now, Lord, we pray for those who are wandering and, and, and looking for something or someone, Lord, and maybe it's Google or maybe it's the world or maybe it's just, hey, we'll go to church and hear. But, Lord, that you'd get a hold of those hearts that have yet to trust in you and surrender to you, that they would have their, their heart replaced with a heart that beats for you that was once hard towards you that would be beating for for your word and your things and your plan and they would know that they don't know you and they need to know you and that's only through Jesus' death and resurrection. They would receive you now. We pray for those who have received you as their Lord and Savior and are realizing, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time with my co-workers, boss, son or daughter or spouse and there's some bitterness there. Maybe, Lord, if they... If they need prayer now, they just raise their hand where they are and we, we pray for those who are struggling in that bitterness, in that season where there's been an offense and they didn't see it before, but they're seeing it now. That that root of bitterness, I see those hands, and we pray for those specifically who've acknowledged to you, Jesus, they need you, your compassion and forgiveness to, to know that they've been forgiven and their love so they can love and forgive those who've hurt and offended them, and that you would remove that root of bitterness and in its place. Give them that compassionate and loving heart to serve those, even the enemies, that they would bless them and not curse and give to those who are in need. And Lord, that we would see your spirit continue to grow us and work in and through us to the point where, Lord, we think like you, act like you, love like you, and ultimately serve like you for your glory and our good. And we pray, Lord, for the opportunities we have to share with our neighbors, friends, or family the hope we have in you, that your spirit would give us the eyes to see those conversations, the doors opening in the conversations, and to be able to share how you've changed us from being a hurtful person to being a helpful and loving and caring and compassionate and quick to forgive and not keeping a record of wrongs, but lovingly giving grace as we've been loved by you and received grace from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.